Hey, welcome to Hot Takes. I'm your host, James Scott, here to analyze anything and everything interesting. Let's dig into today's topics. What is going on, baseball fans? Welcome back to the aspiring number one MLB podcast on the internet. You already know who it is, James, Chris, and you're listening to the MLB Hot Takes podcast. And let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> so we've been doing a couple live streams. They've been going really well. All of you have been tuning in. And we recently put out a question and answers form. And you have questions. And James has got answers. So yeah, James, you ready you, to get got, started? Yeah, we got good ones. We got some real good questions. Um, I'll tell you, you know, I was like, okay, well, what should we do what right now? Like, what's the topic that we should be doing? We had a couple ones that we bounced around before the show because we, we're kind of leading up to like a, a, a lot of changes with regards to the content that we're making. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And we were like, you know what? We, do, we, we did get some questions. And I was like, all right, well, you know what? What are the questions? You know, let's see what we got here. If they're good questions, like let's just do a, a, a quick, you know, like good meaty in terms of substance show, uh, you know, if they're good enough on the questions. And then I'll tell you, a lot of these questions kind of blew me out of the water. I'll be real. Um, not necessarily in that, like most of the time I get asked questions that other people can answer. Some of the questions here are questions that I know that not very many people can answer. Mm -hmm. So I'm really glad that, that they got put up. So for, for uh, without, without further ado, let's get into this, Chris. Let's, let's, get into let's these do questions. it. Let's, okay. Let's go. You let's know? go. Let's Our go. top question <laughs> is what do you think the Yankees should do about Voight and Rizzo? Let's go. So short term, uh, the answer is uh, you need to start being comfortable with rotating the outfield um depending on need depending on um what pitcher you're facing you know i've talked about this before that like you have to have basically eight different lineups in a year and like you don't want to go too much more beyond that you have your four first half lineups and you have your four second half lineups um because players perform differently once, you know, they've heated up and once they're fully physically in their bodies, that's the second half of the season a lot with a lot of these guys. Um, we live in a bat speed era as well. And a lot of people have more V swings because V swings are more conductive to home run results. And that's what a lot of people value these days. So there's a lot of V swings throughout the league. V swings are second half swings as well. So uh, it's a second half league in general. So in the first half, when you're, not operating at full strength, so to speak, you need four different lineups than in the second half. Okay. So um, this is this it, to like, you know, I don't want to get too caught up in this. So we can let, let, let me, let me finish off this statement about the lineups and then let me, let me re-answer this question because I, I, this is something that needs to be stated before I can answer this question, if that makes sense. So um, the second half of the season, when you have everybody heated up, you're going to have one lineup versus lefties who mainly they don't know 100% where the ball is going, but they succeed by getting you to swing and miss. So you're going to get guys who are, are lefties who, who are that type of pitcher, the swing and miss pitcher. And that's how they succeed. They get swing and miss. Um, and then on the other side, you have the lefties who they succeed by getting weak contact 
So they'll give you the contact. It's not swinging and missing. It's the opposite, uh, but it'll be weak contact. So you'll have to have a different lineup for each of those. And then same for righties, weak contact righties and strikeout heavy righties. You're going to need a different lineup for those two. That's your eight lineups in the year. So, uh, Chris, give me the question again. I want to I want to show how that bleeds into the answer. So, so the question is, what do you think the Yankees should do about Voight and Rizzo? Yes. So with regards to that, some days you're not going to play Gardner, at least this year. OK. And the reason for that is Gardner doesn't typically hit lefties. OK. And if Gardner continues to not hit, which again has been about a month of going on right now, because usually uh, he'll he'll heat up and and then he'll be hot for a long enough time that it'll raise his season line, but we're not seeing that. So I think that we gotta at least for this season start to become comfortable with putting a guy like Gallo in center, and having the towers in the corners, Judge and Stanton. Stanton plays much better at the plate when he's in the field. That is very, very clear. And it makes sense. A guy who's as big as him, he needs to stay coordinated. He needs to stay in his legs. And when he's in the field, he has to run around. He has to be more in his legs. It makes him a better hitter at the plate. He's a phenomenal defender. It's very clear he's healthy enough to get this done. you got to go Gallo in center. He's played center before. He's been fine enough. It's a small ballpark. You have great defenders in the corners. All three of them have great outfield arms. So just play them back, you know, let them catch anything that's back there. Let them catch anything that they have to run forward and dive and get to. And if it drops in front of them, let them use their arm to keep them, to keep the the base runners to their bases. Um, And if you do that, then Luke Voigt gets DH. Rizzo gets first base. You have LeMahieu at second. You have Odor Urshela at third, although it's starting to look like Odor is going to be more effective this season. I can understand platooning them, given that one's a lefty and one's a righty. And um, But it is worth noting that Odor has reversed splits. It's not something I expect to last forever, but he's a lefty who hits lefties. It, it does add a unique uh, aspect to the lineup, which is, I think, really important in having him be a part of that lineup on a day-to-day basis. But um, I almost feel like given that Rizzo also has struggles versus lefties, that Urshela should almost be platooned over there rather than at third. Um, I mean, Urshela's obviously a much better third base defender. So what you'd have to do is you'd move LeMahieu to first, you have Odor at second, and you'd have Urshela at third. Rizzo would not be playing. But essentially, it would be Urshela replacing Rizzo. Um, and again, only versus lefties. So that's how I would do it short term for this season. Uh, Torres, he, he, he takes back over at shortstop um, for Velasquez. I like Velasquez. There's no doubt. He's a good bench player. I want to make that very clear. He's bench player. Okay. Um, but Torres was starting to go off. He was starting to hit. And it seemed like Odor batting back to back with him was triggering him with regards to hitting with regards to being more aggressive at the plate and uh, trusting his swing Um, before the injury, I believe in the second half, his batting average was above 300. So um, I think now that, that, you know, I think it's clear that Odor has got to be a part of the lineup, given that he was triggering Torres, you have to then play Torres if you're playing Odor like that. 
Um, I think Velasquez can come through in, in games where we need him to give, you know, Torres a, a rest. He's kind of that type of guy comes through in big moments, but I don't think he's really, um, I think once the league adjusts to him, you're not looking at a league average hitter. And I think the less exposure we give him, the more effective that he'll be. And uh, he, he even has like the whole psychological background thing going for him because like he's staying with his parents who are a couple of blocks away from Yankee stadium. It's where he was raised. So oh, like dope. he's super comfortable. So, you know, having the ability where the, you know, the league doesn't know you, you're pretty, you're pretty good at pitch selection. You're a switch hitter. You're a good defender. You play, you know, third, second, short, um, you're a good base runner. You're a really good base runner. I think while the league doesn't know you, don't don't overexpose the guy. When Torres comes back, reduce his playing time. Um, but you know, I don't think um, I don't think he deserves a demotion. Um, I also don't think Wade deserves a demotion. Um, they're gonna have to figure out how to how to balance that part of the lineup. But as far as everyday stuff goes, uh, Odor needs to be at third. Lemayhu needs to be at second. And um, for all intents and purposes, you move the infield around to get that Urshela Rizzo platoon. Um, you know, you use Gardner against righties and you, you do that to give Stanton days off now and then just because there's a little bit of worry getting him more time now in the outfield might, you know, re-aggravate something. But, you know, Gardner should kind of stymie that. Um but you do that with Gallo and center. You take that risk with Gallo and center uh, just because if you put Voight in that lineup with everybody else, you get that to be a one through nine. I mean, that has, you know, in a good season, most hitters in that lineup are, are 30 homer guys. Um, and it's a very good balance between lefties and righties. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do when it comes to answering the short term Rizzo Voight question. The long-term Rizzo Voigt question becomes a little bit more complicated because Rizzo's contract's up at the end of the year. The only way that Rizzo comes back, in my opinion, is if multiple other position players are traded this offseason. There were some rumors that Voigt was on the trade market. Uh, I could very much see Urshela be traded, given that Stanton had such a good year and his contract is as high as it is. I could see the Yankees trade him. Um, there's a bunch of things that could happen that would make it so that Rizzo coming back would be really necessary. Now, Rizzo's been in a very, very slow decline for a very long period of time. Like it's, it's very slight. It's very hard to observe, but it is there. Um, that being said, he still has enough ability. And in theory, he's still young enough that he could make an approach change and turn everything around. So there is certain ideas about, you know, how his rest of his career could go because he, he has been a special player uh, up until now. And I think over the next couple of years, you're probably going to see the first time he's ever going to struggle. So uh, a guy like him who's made it through cancer, you know, he's a survivor. He's a, he's tough. He's a leader too. I'll tell you that since the Cubs, um, I think that he could persevere and find a way forward similar to what Votto did this year. Uh, they're not dissimilar players, um, although Votto has consistent been, consistently been the better player, no doubt there. But they're not dissimilar in style, in swing, obviously in position and handedness um, and base running, of course. Um, but yeah, I think um, it, 
I would like to see Rizzo return, but if there's too many players and at the end, I'm perfectly okay with him moving on. Now, gun to my head, one spot only, you know, Rizzo or Voight, who would I rather have? I'd rather have Voight. Voight, whenever he is healthy, um, puts up home run rates that, you know, over a full year would break the all-time home run record. And whenever he's healthy, he's more than a middle-of-the-order hitter, 45-plus percent above league average type thing. Uh, He's played through injuries some years. uh, And then the surrounding years where he's been healthy, he's been dynamite. He's got one of the best swings in the big leagues. Um, He's as physically strong as you could expect anyone of his height to be. He is terrible at stretching for balls. He doesn't have any range on defense. He's not bad when it comes to short hops. And he's very average when it comes to stretching above. But his lateral isn't that great. Um, Overall, he should kind of be a DH. But I worry that the Stanton effect might come in. It's a hot take. Yeah, I mean, the, the worry is the Stanton effect which is you mm-hmm. take a guy out of the field, they lose coordination a little bit, and then they become a different type of player. So it almost feels like if you could get Voight some time at first, a lot of time at first, and you know rotate him with somebody else at DH, maybe Aaron Hicks, you know, Voight being a righty and Hicks being a switch hitter, you know, mainly batting lefty, um, that might leave the outfield open. Um, you know, for, for different options. Uh, Gallo being possibly then left field, you got judge in right field and hopefully Florial is ready next year. Um, but, um, you know, I think um, while I would like to keep Rizzo, the knowing that Luke Voigt, like if he's going to have good years, which I'm convinced that Luke Voigt is going to have some really incredible years. It's going to be sometime in the next four years. Whereas Rizzo, he's past his prime. What he has to do is when the decline hits, figure out a way forward. And I think it's a lot easier to perform when you're entering and in the middle of your prime and, you know, you got a chip on your shoulder than it is when you're declining and trying to redefine who you are. So if the Yankees are trying to win a World Series within the next couple of years, it makes a lot more sense to go with Voight than to go with Rizzo. But if the Yankees are going through like almost a growth period for a couple of years, like one or two years, and then they want to go right back at it, you know, after that, funny enough, an older guy like Rizzo might actually work. Cause I do think that he could refigure himself out. I do think that a guy with his low strikeout rate and his pull swing, um, if he can't produce at a league average level, being as patient as he's been, I could absolutely see him accept swinging and missing more in order to get to more pull power. So and that's yeah. an interesting take because from what I can tell, they have some type of rivalry going on. Like they, they, they do get along. They don't get along. They do get I, along. They don't I don't along. think it's, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an issue between the players. That's, that's the first thing I want to note. Um, like, you know, there might be like some people online that want to make it, you know, what team are you on? Yeah. The Rizzo yeah. team or the Voight team? Well, Here's the deal. If Rizzo stays, he's the first baseman and Voight's the DH. If Rizzo walks, Voight still might be the DH. 
he just plays a little bit more first base, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he's not a great defender, but like, I don't think that they're specifically in competition really with each other. Um, And then the other side of it is like, you know, okay, then where, where is he upset about? Why, why is Voight upset? Well, if you're a guy who led the American league in home runs last year, and you're a guy who multiple years in your career since being up has been like a middle of the order hitter. And like outside of that, you've played through injuries and you've done these things for your team. You sacrificed your body playing through injuries to try and get this team to win, you know, and you've produced at very high levels when you've been healthy for this team. Um, And they found you and they, you know, like they, they, they traded for you to give you at bats for the Cardinals to all of a sudden, right. When this team is like in theory contending to deal for another first baseman, like from Voight's perspective, like if I was Voight, I'd be like, okay, I really like Rizzo, but that means that I'm the DH, but Giancarlo's the DH. So that means that then, wait, he's the left fielder, but they just got Gallo. So wait, is Gallo in center field? But that's Gardner. Gardner's the you know respected veteran. So from Voight's perspective, he can't really see Gardner being displaced, even though that's basically what kind of has to happen here. You know, all respect to Gardner, all-time favorite Yankee. Not not my number one, but, you know, one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, from Voight's perspective, he got pushed out of a roster spot by being injured, despite all that he's done. And uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd be kind of ticked off, too. I mean, if I led the American League in home runs, for multiple years, I'd been a middle-of-the-order hitter for my team. And in addition to that, I've played through injuries for this team. And then they just go out and, you know, I'd be a little bit offended. I'd be I'd be a little peeved too. Exactly. Uh, I just think that, you know, nobody really sat down with him and said, look, we're going to be reducing Gardner's playing time. We're going to be, you know, using Stanton more in the outfield. Because at that time, Stanton had not yet been used that much in the outfield. Um, So it was just kind of like, wait a second, where am I playing now? You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to be the low side of a platoon, given that Rizzo's a lefty. Are you really going to make me only bat versus lefty pitchers? I'm never going to play, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he fought for he fought for playing time, too. Like for, for those of you who don't know, Luke Voigt was not a top prospect oh. by any means. He was a, a guy who performed in the minors and the Yankees did uh, scouting on him. And they realized that he had a fundamentally sound swing that they could work with. Uh, and they realized that he was hitting the ball very, very hard and that he had a good enough approach and they brought him in and they altered his swing. And then all of a sudden, there you go. Uh, Luke Voigt was born, you know, the, the one that we, we, we know of as, as, as the Luke Voigt, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I think that um, if we're being completely truthful, he's a, He's about as much of a, a power threat as they, as exists in the game. Like he's right up there with any of the other players that, you know, you can think of that are righty power hitters like Ronald Acuna, you know, um, even Stanton, his teammate, you know? So I, yeah, I'd be, I'd, I'd be upset too. I'd be upset too. leading the uh, American league in home runs a year ago to being displaced by someone who's like 33 years old. Like, I don't know, how to crush your dreams about, right there. Yeah, I would say it's a little heartbreaking, but, like, definitely wrong words, like, kind of more, like, crushing your dreams right there. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, you're definitely – I don't know how I'd feel. I'd be really upset. And I, he seems, 
he seemed about as measured as he could be in that press conference, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, you know, he was not happy and I don't blame him. Um, one thing that I know, and this is really interesting and um, Cashman's about as good of a GM as exists in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I don't know what happens after they get a player, but I do know this when there's a, a, a small negotiation window, like the player comes to town and they need to show, you know, the player in one weekend what it's like to be a Yankee. If they do that, they the, the Yankees got a guy. They, they've, they've got him. They've signed him. But if the negotiation process lasts a really long time and it's like an international player that is like coming in and they want to understand every little thing about everyone who works in the organization. If it's a, if it's a short amount of time, the Yankees can really sell a guy. But if it's a long window, they, they lose players routinely, like Otani and Mankata. Um, so I think uh, with regards to, you know, Luke Voigt, it almost feels like there was a lack of communication to him. You know, it's long-term communication. He's been with the team a few years now. It almost seems like, okay, well, you're with us. You're under contract. You do what we tell you instead of this is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're still getting playing time. It's all good, you know, and it's kind of like part of the same thing that I, I, you know, I was, we were talking about the other day where, you know, if you have a player knowing that, you know, knowing the four lineups from the four at the beginning of the year, the four at the end of the year, so really the eight lineups, but depending on what time of the year, knowing that, okay, I'm coming to the ballpark. The pitcher that we're facing is a weak contact arm and they're a righty. So I'm not going to play or I am going to play and I'm going to be in the middle of the order or I am going to play and I'm going to bat lead off or I am going to play and I'm going to be at the bottom of the order. These are all different tasks leading off. You're trying to get on base for the middle of the order guys to drive you in. That's what the middle of the order guys do. And at the bottom of the order, if anyone is left on base, you're trying to move them over. No one's on base. You're trying to get on. You're trying to make things happen. And that's typically how a lineup is put together if you have no idea how the lineup is going to be put together because you walk into the clubhouse and there isn't any four lineups, you know, beginning of the season, second half of the season, it's just random every single day because the metrics spit this out. Then you as the athlete are not going to be able to perform to those metrics. You need to be able to wake up in the morning, be like, Oh man, today's the day where I get to be the hero. I get to drive in the runs. Or you wake up and you say, oh, man, this is exciting. I get to, like, make things happen. I'm the leadoff guy. Or you wake up and you'd be like, oh, man, I love this day. Nobody's expecting anything of me. I'm bottom of the order. You know, whatever it ends up being, it allows the athlete to get into the mindset well before game time. Gives them tons of time to visualize success. Like, to tell them these things literally an hour, two hours before game time, how are they going to acclimate that quickly? And when there are this many different roles, how are they going to even acclimate to the role? They're not playing it consistently enough. So I think that there's a a lack of communication and a lack of um, dialogue and and understanding of how players themselves understand they are being Mm -hmm. used. And I think if if, if, that needs to be fixed with the Yankees, players need to understand how they are being used because there's no confidence there. 
And I feel like we always come back to this. I feel like yeah, this is like a recurring, a recurring theme. Like it's, players it's need important. to know, players need to know like what they're doing and how they're being used in the field. It's yes, it, it needs to be communicated. Absolutely needs to be communicated. All right, Chris, hit me with another question. Okay, so we got another entry over here asking how significant was the banning of spider attack midseason? Ooh. So I love talking about this. You do um, love talking about this. <laughs> yeah. So first and foremost, any pitchers that are two pitch pitchers um, or formerly two pitch pitchers, some three pitch pitchers like Luis Castillo, it turned them back into two pitch pitchers because they couldn't get the break they wanted on their, their pitches. Um, so that that's, that's one thing. So it reduced some three pitch pitchers to two pitch pitchers, some two pitch pitchers. It, it, it kind of killed them. Um, and then here's the other thing. If one of your pitches is a slider because of how sliders are gripped um, with, with the, the balls being less dense and the seams being lower, in addition to the lack of being able to have any sort of tactile, you're not going to be able to get any, like have any sort of idea of how quick or, or, or slow or how much break horizontally you're going to have with your slider. So specifically pitchers who are slider heavy breaking ball pitchers, specifically lefties, they get lit up because when those sliders drift in there, instead of cut in there, righties see those and they go yard on those. And there's so many righties in the league that as a lefty with a slider, a lot of those guys are getting destroyed. Um, and they've had to make, you know, alterations to their, their pitch mixes all year and, very few have survived, so to speak. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, but the second thing is spider tech and, and that type, those types of substances, uh, pine tar or whatever it ends up being, um, them coming out of the game was a long time coming because I, I feel like they existed in the game well before steroids, like the spitball era, way, way, way back when, you know, um, putting substances on balls has always been a thing. So now that you're taking that away from the league, I almost feel like it's more impactful than when they took steroids out of the league. Because when you took steroids out of the league, a lot of players who were hitting lots of extra home runs, they couldn't hit for that kind of power anymore. Uh, but home runs are hit on mistake pitches. So, you know, again, you know, average pitches instead of going over the fence would be hit for doubles and things like that. So, but with this, it's reducing pitchers around the league um, to such a degree that even though steroids is not in the league, offense is operating as if almost it is. Ever since spider tack dropped out of the league, nothing's been the same. It's, it's day and night. So to answer that question, and give a hot take given the show name. It's, it's, it's such a big difference um, that it makes steroids. It's about as, no, I'd say it's about equal to that what happened with the steroid era in terms of the impact of taking steroids out of the game. So um, again, it took lots and lots of years for all the steroid users to be found out. And again, there's probably still people using it mm -hmm. in the game now. In fact, I know that there are and cycle you know, on cycle off. Exactly. The yeah. cycles, you know, you yeah. cycle in the off season so you can get in shape and all of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. So there's a hundred percent still people using steroids, but I do think that, you know, we, we talked about this, you know, a few episodes ago, 
that when I was a kid, you know, I, I had this idea that at some point in time, given that pitchers are so dependent on their arm, that hitting was going to outdistance pitching. Mm-hmm. And now that this, this substance is out of the game, um, I think we're really starting to see that happen, like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. And the game has needed action that was legitimate, action that was not uh, medicine-based, so to speak, um, or substance-based in general. And the more action that there is in baseball, the more people want to come to the ballparks. So, yeah, this is one of the more impactful changes um, that we've observed in in a very very long time and uh right there with steroids literally uh, if you know this is this is steroids sister if that Mm. makes sense um you needed both of these things to go away so we could see some really legitimate talent and uh now we are i'll tell you i haven't i've never been uh uh, more excited to be a baseball fan than i am now with spider tech out of the league so all you got to do is take uh, the shift out of the league and all is well. <laughs> that's all that's I it. got for this question, Chris. Well, that's it for our questions for today, actually. So look at that. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good couple. Uh, next show, I think we're going to finish up with the final question. Mm-hmm. We're going to finish up with the final um, question. And uh, then I think we have a couple of announcements. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, keep your eye out for that one. Uh, watch us when we go live on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Sundays. And uh, we'll see you then. Right, we'll Chris? see you then, guys. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> see you then.